This is the Washington Indivisible Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. Well, if you've ever dreamed of being a delegate in a presidential election, this could be your year. The Washington State Democrats are now hosting a series of online trainings on how to run for delegate. And here to talk about that and more is the chair of the Washington Democrats and our dear friend Shasti Conrad. Hello, hello. How are you? Hi, Stephen. So good to be here. So, you know, we have a lot to get to about uh, becoming a delegate. But first, I really want to ask you about some breaking news today on Thursday. Fifth CD Congresswoman Republican Kathy McMorris Rogers has just announced that she will not be seeking reelection. I would love your reaction to this. Um, You know, name recognition and incumbency really tend to go hand in hand. Do you see this as a potential opening for Democrats? I have to say today has felt like a happy holiday. I've been <laughs> I've been smiling ear to ear all day long, um, and it is it's a surprise. Um, you know, we we weren't expecting this announcement to come. I have said for the last year that you know the way that we won in CD three was by being ready for when the Republicans went a different direction. And that was what we needed to be doing in CD four and CD five. And we have been doing great organizing work and building up the rural infrastructure out there. So I'm excited. I think it's a real opportunity for us. Um, and, you know, we've got some great candidates that have are already have been running, but we'll see how the field sort of uh, plays out over the next month or so and see where we land with everything. But quite quite a quite big news day and big opportunity for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And certainly something we'll be following here on this show. I mean, uh, one Republican in particular that I've heard who may be uh, throwing his hat in the ring uh, seems imminently beatable. So so we'll, we'll, as I say, keep an eye on this. Uh, Let's do go ahead and unpack the delegate process. So, you know, there are delegates for both the state convention and the national convention. Talk about the difference between those two. What do state delegates do? Yes. So state delegates are responsible for ratifying the Washington State Democratic Party's platform at our state convention. And so um, they are focused on kind of the reforms and the work uh, at the local level, at the state level here. Um, They vote on resolutions. They choose which statewide candidates are nominated by the party so that we have the power to replace them in the event of any kind of early vacancy from office for any of those seats. Um, And this year's convention will be both in person and also virtual. Um, We're doing it as a hybrid, as a way to expand access to all of our delegates and will be held in June of this year. All right. And how many state delegate positions are there? Total is uh, about a thousand um, state delegates and then an additional about a thousand um, alternates that also come in. So every legislative district um, starts with a base of 20 um, delegate spots that people can run for. And then um, they get additional bonus and um, alternate delegates um, in uh, in, in case they uh, meet their affirmative action goals or if they are in blue districts that have, um, you know, won, uh, have had Democrats win in their in their legislative districts previously. Got it. OK. And then so 111 delegates and eight alternates will represent our state in the Democratic National Convention. So talk about what these delegates do. Yes. So the national delegates will attend the National Democratic Convention, which is being held in Chicago this year in August. And at that, it's kind of like a big uh, opportunity to uh, celebrate the Democratic Party and our brand. Um, 
the delegates will be able to formally nominate um, our our nominees. So most likely that will be President Biden and Vice President Harris um, as our ticket in the presidential race, ratify the National Democratic Party platform and help to build momentum for the Democratic a brand and our nominee on a national stage. Um, many people have probably seen the convention that's, you know, always airs on TV, primetime. Um, you know, it's a big sort of rah-rah celebration and we get to represent Washington state on this national stage. It is a big celebration. I have great memories of watching these, you know, up through the years. And, you know, I'm always curious about the person who gets to announce how many votes um, from your state go to the nominees. And the person is, you know, from the windswept shores of the Olympic Peninsula to the fertile fields or whatever. Um, in 2020, we had a video. But in other years, how is that person selected? Is it usually you? Is it the chair? It is decided within the delegation, um, typically. So I know in 2020, uh, Representative Meelan Tai was who represented us because she was first refugee, um, elected to our state legislature. And we, I know we just thought that she'd be a great face for Washington. She was state. wonderful. Yeah. Yes. And I believe in 2016, I believe that it was, uh, because it was divided between, uh, Bernie delegates and Biden delegates. And so we had two people from each of, uh, who are supporting those two candidates who came together to um oh, sorry i said biden i mean hillary um hillary delegates and and mm. bernie delegates who could um, forget yes that one um so you know people came together to uh put the put their delegates forward so um yeah it'll be chosen within the delegation but always a really proud moment to um celebrate washington like that all right so how does one become a delegate are, are there specific qualifications that you need uh, no specific qualifications other than be voting age by November to um, be able to participate. Um, and in fact, we have affirmative action goals that are set down based on the census that come from the DNC for the for the national delegates and also for the um, state delegates. And, you know, um, we're looking to have a diverse um, set of people who fully represent the Democratic Party Um and, you know, you have to obviously be a Democrat. <laughs> that's obviously, the, that's sure. the biggest yeah. one is that you have <laughs> that's to say. Right. <laughs> yes, yeah. you are a proud Democrat. And um, and so, yes, yeah, so those are those are the sort of starting, you know, uh, starting place to be. And then, you know, any Democrat can pre-register right now um, to run uh, to be a delegate at wademsdelegates.org. I'll make sure that you have that um for the show notes. Um, and we expect that our online um, registration portal that will include like a voter's guide for people who are running to be delegate, that that will go live within the next two weeks. And we will be pushing that out so that people will know exactly how to sign up and say that they want to run for a delegate. Um, by pre-registering now, it will alert you as soon as it's possible to fill out the form. And it has all the information about, you know, what you might want to include in your, um, you know, in your sort of voter's guide, or your bio, headshot, all of that information. And then um, there will be candidate forums that will be hosted by the um, legislative district um, organizations across the state in the next coming weeks. And then filing closes on March 31st at 5 p.m. for state convention delegates. And then the legislative districts will vote online for their delegates to the state convention on April 6th. And then for the national delegate process, um, congressional districts will vote online for their delegates to the national convention on May 18th. 
and and on June 9th. Um, I must note that it can be expensive for people to attend the national convention between airfare, hotels, food, transportation. Um, we are sort of advising that people should plan to um, spend between like $2,500 to $5,000 to attend. Um, but I do know that many people have done GoFundMes, they've done their own fundraising programs, and um, sometimes organizations like labor unions um, will sponsor people to, to be able to participate. Um, but it is one of the greatest opportunities to really express democratic unity and support for all of our great candidates. Um, and so we, we hope people will be excited to participate. So much incredible information. And we will, of course, provide all that information for folks on uh, in the show notes. And then, you know, if you really want to be part of history, you can be a Democratic elector um, and cast one of our state's 12 electoral votes in the general election. How does one then become an elector? Yes, that is a really special um, opportunity. So Washington will elect 12 people to serve as presidential electors in 2024. They are elected by um, the legislative district um, state central committee representatives residing in their electors congressional district at a meeting on June 21st at our state convention. Candidates for elector must be nominated by one of the members of the legislative district state central committee representatives residing within their electors congressional district. And it takes a majority of those present and voting to be elected. So as chair, you are automatically one of those electors, and then it's one elector from all 10 CDs. So then who else? Yes. Yeah, so it is, it's the 10, and then it's myself, and I believe my vice chair. Vice chair. Okay. Um, the Democrats are offering, as, as I mentioned, a series of online trainings on how to be a delegate. Um, and, you know, you've gone over so much of what people will learn. And again, we will have uh, links for folks to check all of that out. And we really hope that you do. Um, let's do talk briefly about the primary. So the March 12th presidential primary is going to be the second election since Washington moved away from caucuses uh, and became a primary state. Wh what are your thoughts so far on, on how the primary system here has worked? Yes, I mean this will be the second time that we are um, that we are do doing the primary system, and I love it. I think, you know, we as Democrats are proponents of more people participating and voting is always a better thing, and we definitely saw that there were more people who were um, voting in the primary than there had been in caucuses. And as our state continues to grow in population, having the state run the primary ensures that everyone registered to vote receives a ballot and can declare themselves to be a Democrat and have their voice heard in our primary process um, from their home. So I think it's been really positive and it's exciting. We already know who the candidates will be on our primary ballot, which is President Biden, um, Dean Phillips, Marianne Williamson, who just dropped out yesterday, um, will still appear on the ballot, although, um, you know, likelihood is we'll probably not receive delegates. And then we have an uncommitted spot um, where folks can um, still run for, you know, still say and pledge that they are interested in participating, but want to remain uncommitted at this time. You know, as you're saying, I mean, it's it, it's been very clear for quite some time that, that Biden would be the nominee. Our primary is going to be a week after Super Tuesday. Any thoughts on our state's role in this year's primaries? Well, I think, you know, I think it's important to show that there is support, you know, 
from coast to coast across this country. And, you know, without serious competition, um, you know, in part because of who our incumbent is, I think that it'll be a fairly straightforward primary and different than what we saw both in 2016 and 2020. Um, but I do believe that our primary will get more Democrats tuned into the presidential election, which, as we know, is going to be a referendum on our democratic values and quite honestly, the rule of law. Um, you know, Donald Trump and his mob of cronies will pull out every stop to to evade accountability, erode our Constitution and grift their way back into the White House. And we cannot let someone do that. So we we have to make sure that we're showing that there really is support for Democrats and, and I think for President Biden. Well, you know, on that note, um, Biden has gotten in the 90s thus far uh, in, in primaries, even in New Hampshire, where he wasn't even on the ballot. Uh, but, you know, a lot of folks have been worried about polls showing weakness um, in Biden's support among Democrats. I think it's, some some polls had him in like the high 60s. So what, what are your thoughts on his strength as a candidate right now? Well, I think, you know, I, I've said this the last several months and, and much of last year, which is that polls don't vote. And I think that a lot of the polling that we've been seeing just shows that, you know, when Trump, when it feels like Trump is sort of a theoretical figure and not actually the true, like there's a real possibility, which I absolutely believe that there is, that he could get back into the White House. As your people are reminded of who Trump is, then you're seeing, you know, Biden's numbers go up and Trump's numbers go down. And I think that, you know, we have to sort of roll a little bit with these polls and not take them too seriously when we're this this far out. Um, I do think that Joe Biden has been one of the most consequential and effective presidents, you know, certainly in my lifetime. He placed the first African-American woman on the Supreme Court. His bipartisan infrastructure law is fixing our crumbling roads and bridges. His Infl- Inflation Reduction Act has reduced inflation, funded $300 billion in efforts for clean energy and greenhouse gas reductions, and, you know, has truly spent, you know, the most ever preventing climate change in our country that we've seen in decades. And also also job growth. You know, we've we've seen he's seen 50 months of job growth, um, some of the best numbers that we've ever had. And so, you know, I think that he has earned a second term. You know, I, I am a true believer that the process needs to play out. I think we have to be fair, but I, I do think we have a strong incumbent. And, you know, it's important that we keep the White House Democratic. Preach. Yeah. And honestly, you know, thank you, by the way, for running down his list of accomplishments. I, I feel that that should be de rigueur for anybody who's engaging in a serious conversation about uh, this year's election. And as you say, you know, and, and even a recent poll indicated a lot of people aren't really even aware at this point, a lot of people who will be voting in the general election, that uh, that Trump is going to be on the ballot. And so I think you're right. The more people start to see him um, in their general consciousness, the more they're going to realize that, as you say they don't want him grifting his way back into the White House. Um, you know, the reason why I ask about Biden, obviously, is because you want a lot of strength at the top of the ticket, because we have so many important races here in Washington other than the presidential election, um, like Governor AG, um, the congressional race in the third. We are hearing concern that young voters and some progressives uh, are considering not voting, uh, in part because of their anger over Biden's handling of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Um these voters staying home would obviously be, be a big concern for many reasons, not least of which would be because it could potentially cede grounds to Republicans on down ballot races. Any thoughts on how we can keep these voters engaged? 
Yes. I mean, I think it always starts with, you know, we need to listen and we need to take those concerns seriously and demonstrate that we want to work with them to address their complaints and their concerns. And, you know, that it, that we're not dismissing it by any means. Um, and we need to make sure that we are articulating our vision um, for a you know, society that's truly rooted in democratic values and personal freedoms, you know, and all of everything that I've been looking at, uh, you know, democracy is the top issue that comes up for what people at every every generation are concerned about with this particular election. And so we just have to continue to remind you know, younger voters, but all voters of the chaos and inhumanity of the Trump administration and, you know, the ways in which they've turned on our LGBTQ neighbors, you know, innocent refugees who have been seeking a better life in our country and his, you know, constant continued assault on reproductive freedom and, you know, for working people. You know, we he proudly said, you know, about overturning of Roe versus Wade, you know, I did that. That was me. And then for working people, we have heard that the, you know, his rally with the UAW workers was completely staged and they hired actors and, you know, all the things that they often accuse us of. It's just it, it is them admitting what it's always they projection. Are doing. Yeah. It's always projection. So, you know, we are truly the only party that, you know, has led America out of a pandemic and, you know, is is really working for you know, for all of us. And I, I think we just, we have to keep drilling that down and keep, keep reminding people of what we are up against and how important this election is and, you know, create space for people to feel heard and a part of, of what we're building. Yeah. Yeah. I think we really need to remind people of what, first of all, listen, as you say, but then remind people of what they already know uh, about uh, what, you know, Trump uh, stands for. Um, speaking of, and I mentioned down ballot races, you've been pushing hard for a bill in this year's legislature that would uh, limit our state's elections to even years. It just passed the House. Um, yes. Yay. Uh, so you and I have talked about this bill uh, in the past. Explain again why this is important. Yes. Um, I'm Another reason why I'm smiling ear to ear today is that this bill made it out of the House and is on its way over to the Senate. And I'm very excited about um, the prospect of getting this done this year. I think that even year elections, you know, it's been written about in the Seattle Times and the Stranger. And it's, you know, especially after this past election in 2023, when, you know, we were at 35 percent, 20 percent in some smaller jurisdictions for turnout. You know, it just demonstrates that this is we've we have to do something. Um, and so, you know, I think that th- a thriving democracy depends on the engagement of its citizens and even your elections experience far more engagement from voters um, over audio elections, sometimes exceeding, you know, by double or triple the number of, of voters for odd years. And so, you know, Washington should really reduce the stress on voters from having an election every year and ensure that our elections are being decided by the most people. This is, you know, we, we are Democrats. We are proud of democracy, standing up for democracy, more engagement, more people voting, more people being in the process. It, it's just a no brainer for me. I agree with everything you said, but I am going to play devil's advocate uh, because we saw a good amount of attention and money go to school board races this year. And we know how important that was with you know, the assault from Moms for Liberty. And, and I think a lot of that was rebuffed because of, you know, the, the, the money and attention and time. Are you concerned that even your elections would overload the ballot and things like school board races could fall through the, cla- the, the cracks rather in, in terms of like attention and funding? 
Yes, I mean, I I have been looking at the data because we certainly have heard a lot around, you know, these fears around sort of um, ballot drop off that people will see a longer ballot and they will stop voting and they'll, they'll be this fatigue. But when I looked at the data that showed, you know, sort of ballot drop off with longer ballots versus low turnout in odd years, you more people are still participating, even if there is a slight drop off in the ballot um, than when it is in, a, on, in an odd year election. So I I reject the notion. And I do believe, especially now that we've gotten rid of advisory votes, that these ballots will be you know manageable and that people will understand better a full slate of candidates. They will be able to take the time and understand that every level of government that, you know, these are the folks that they should be supporting. Um, and, you know, I know that voters care just as much about their city council as they do federal delegation members because local races have the most impact on their day-to-day lives. So I think we should always be striving to ensure that as many eligible voters participate as possible in our elections and, you know, switching to even your elections would achieve this. And one other point that, you know, has come up as I've heard a number of folks talk about um, it, through an equity lens. And, you know, the the honest truth is that when you look at the odd year elections, is it is predominantly older, white, wealthier voters that are participating in odd year elections. And so when we talk about wanting to get more diverse candidates running, particularly for, you know, city councils and school boards and things like that, there should be an electorate that's participating that is more representative of their districts, but also of them, and they will benefit as well from having an even year electorate. Well, so much to think about and honestly, so much to do uh, this year. Um, I know we'll be checking back in uh, with you pretty regularly uh, this year as everything gets underway. Uh, So to be continued, as always, my friend, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much. Great to be back and big year, everybody. So we got to get out there on that trail and just keep doing the good work. So thank you. And that'll do it for this week. The executive producer of the show is Kat Pipkin. If you would like to see a video version of this podcast, head to facebook.com slash indivisible podcast. The email address for the show is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Lori Kowal. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. I'm Stephen Cox, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.